Come on, welcome to church. So get it in. I'm excited to kick off this new message series. It is titled, I Believe. And so, uh, you know, it, there's so much going into it, um, but it's really going to challenge you. If you're new to church, this is your first time ever coming to a church, or you've been coming for the umpteenth time, but it's, it's, it's in that place where we have the opportunity for our faith to elevate, our faith to grow, for us to see God do amazing things in our life. And I truly believe that the most powerful weapon available to humanity is faith, is faith. And so over the course of this series, we're going to get into it, we're going to talk about it, and, 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 and really see what God's Word has to say about all of this. Now, I have a central passage, but before we put it up, before we put it up on the screen, here's the gift card challenge. You know, we do a gift card challenge um, to memorize a verse, but it's a little bit different this time. Um, this one is in groups of two or three people, meaning not just yourself. I want you to demonstrate what the central passage is is saying so maybe you come up and you do a demonstration you do a skit maybe you get together with a group of people and you paint something or you make a video and you record it we'll play it um or you just kind of come up here and demonstrate it but this is what it says and everyone will get a, a gift card but here's a central passage let's read it here it is here it is here it is second corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 in the esv for we walk by faith and not by sight our whole message series is centered around these words and what the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church, that we would walk by faith and not by sight, that we would walk by faith and not just what our eyes see, not just what, what, what would be luring us in one direction or another, but we walk by faith. We trust the Lord. No matter what comes in front, we trust the Lord. Let me give you some context in which the Apostle Paul is writing these words to the church. You see, the Apostle Paul is writing 2 Corinthians from Macedonia during his third missionary journey. This is about a year or so after he has written 1 Corinthians. A year about or so has passed. He, is, he had, had just finished three years of ministry in the city of Ephesus, and he's, he has done all of that. And now he has traveled to Macedonia, and it's here. He's visiting churches that he's writing this letter. Now, he meets Titus in Macedonia, and Titus has just come back from Corinth, and Titus has brought a report of how the church is doing. And so Paul is writing this letter in 2 Corinthians based on this information, and he's trying to encourage the church. And specifically in chapter 5, which we're about to take a look at right now, Paul is encouraging the church to live a life of faith, to live a life of faith, to believe God at his word. That if God says it, it is so. And he's talking to them even about eternal life, life after this life, life after the lights go out. And in the middle of it, he gives a statement that has meant so much for the church for generations and generations. We walk by faith and not by sight. He says this flesh will eventually pass away. We'll have new bodies in heaven. And we believe it by faith faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Let's take a moment to pray and we'll get into part one of our series this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for waking us up and giving us the opportunity to, to worship you, Lord, to gather as a church body, to be a part of the household. We just right now pray your blessing over the word. God, may it minister, may it strengthen, may it encourage, may it convict May it open our eyes, our heart, our mind to see what you're saying to each of us. 
So, Father, whether today is our first day in church or we've been in here upteenth times, Lord, I just pray, God, that our faith would begin to elevate. May we come to say, I believe. I believe. Do something amazing this morning. We give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 So to get started, I'm going to give you a little bit of an intro to our part one of the series. So I want to ask you this question. So your participation, maybe shouting out a little bit will help here. Here's what I want to ask you. Is there anything that terrifies you? Nothing. 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 So I went to Google and I got a top 10 list of what might terrify you. Can we put that top 10 list up here? Here it is. Here it is right here. Uh, Going to the dentist. Some of that's you. Tell the truth. Snakes. Thunder and lightning. Some of that's you. Tell the truth. Okay. Flying. Enclosed places. Mice, dogs, public speak. Someone said dog. Amen. (laughs) Uh, Public speaking. Some of you, I call you up right here. No, Pastor, I can't do that. I can't do that. (laughs) Man, heights, spiders, and insects. (laughs) In my house, in, in my house, it's spiders. I could be relaxing. I got my feet kicked up. I'm watching the Kings game. I'm just enjoying the moment. All of a sudden, Daddy, Daddy, come here. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, something happened to somebody, right? Somebody, you know, I'm, I go up there and check. They're like, what's, go, what's going on? Daddy, there's a little spider. I'm like, where is it? I can't see it. It's right there. As a guy that's so little, Daddy's going to get big one day. And then I take care of the spider, and I'm the hero in my house, right? But there's something that they're afraid of. Do you know that there is something that people are scared of all over the world? Do you know what people are scared of the most? Death. They're scared of death. Taking that last breath. They fear what, when, when life won't continue anymore. What will it, it be like? And it haunts people. It, it, it haunts people just to think about death and that there's a reality. And one day my life won't continue. And today we take a look at a passage of Scripture where we see Jesus describing life and death. In the most physical sense and in the most spiritual sense as he describes this. And you know the one thing that I love about Jesus is that Jesus, he speaks in parables. And sometimes people thought that was confusing, but it really helps me to better understand what he's trying to communicate. And this morning, we're going to take a look at one of my most favorite parables that Jesus says. And it can be found in the book of Luke chapter 11 chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And so it's quite a bit of reading, but I wanted to give you the whole context of it, and we're going to get into it. So you can follow up on the screen, follow along in your message notes on the app. You could listen, open your own Bible. Here we go. We're looking at it in the NIV this morning. It says this. Now, this parable is the third parable in a group of three parables that Jesus is trying to explain something to his listeners. So when it says Jesus continued in verse 11, it's because he had just shared two other parables trying to explain the same point. And I love this one. So we're checking it out. Here it goes. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. 
the younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got all he had and set out for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Right, let's pause for a moment. He hits rock bottom in his life. He goes out with all of this wealth and all of this blessing, and then he finds himself feeding pigs. And then having nothing, that he comes to the point where he desires what the pigs are eating. He's hit rock bottom in his life. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, right, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. See, he doesn't even see himself as a child of God. And this is a huge mistake we make. But now he only thinks of himself as a hired servant. He doesn't know who he is. It says this, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has become, your, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so that I can celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. Because I was lost and I was found. See, if, if you know what it's like to not have God in your life and then suddenly He's there, you know that it's everything. If you know what it's like to not walk with the Lord and then you have a love that changes everything, 
Come on, somebody. See, I was lost and I was found. In this passage, we see two brothers. One who leaves his father's house and finds himself at his lowest point in his life and finally looks up. Finally remembers what it's like to be in his father's house. Everybody says all kinds of things about his father's house. And the world has all kinds of opinions about his father's house. But he remembers the joy. And he knows the difference of walking without God. The older brother doesn't know how to respond to his brother being celebrated. And he behaves wrongly. See, this passage is so powerful because it represents each of us on the journey that we're on. And many times we struggle believing two things. And this is maybe for somebody who doesn't know and maybe you're coming to Christ for the first time. Or, but, but specifically for believers and the church. There are so many times in our faith, in our journey, in our walk with the Lord that we begin to struggle with two things. I'm going to tell you why today. The first thing is this. We struggle to believe that we can be forgiven for what we've done. But I'm already a Christian. But sometimes along the journey, something happens. And for whatever reason, we struggle to believe that we can be forgiven. Oh, pastor, I've done too. You don't know. It's like I know the Lord, but what happened has just been horrific. And we just don't think that we can be forgiven. And secondly, the fact that there's life after death, even as Christians, we struggle with this thought of life after death. Heaven, yeah, heaven, heaven, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what really? How does that really take place? What is that really about? And today I want to walk you through the both of these according to the Bible. And I hope that at the end your faith increases and you say, I believe. So am I, go am I forgiven and going to heaven? Am I forgiven and going to heaven? A couple of points I want to share with you. The first one is this. I'm forgiven because I recognize my need and I personally believe in what Jesus did for all of humanity. I'm forgiven because I recognize my need and I personally believe in what Jesus did for all of humanity. Now, for many, this could be a struggle. Maybe it's people coming to Jesus for the first time or maybe it's the rest of us. We've fallen away or we've made a mistake and we've, we've, we've certainly felt all the judgment of it from others and from ourselves, something horrible's happened, and for one reason or another, the devil gets into our head and begins to whisper lies. See, but when I recognize my need for Jesus and I personally receive it, then I'm forgiven. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for God made Christ, Jesus, Jesus, who never sinned, never did anything wrong, to be the offering for our sin, right? To be the payment for our sin so that we can be made right with God through Christ, right? When we receive Jesus into our life, right? I'm right with the Father because I've received Jesus into my life. You see, God's big plan is that he would send his son Jesus to come and pay the price for our sins. One payment once and for all. The problem is we struggle with that idea. Because, Pastor, I can understand the Old Testament idea of forgiveness. I do something wrong, I go and pay the price for my sin. I do something wrong, I go and pay the price for my sin. But how can Jesus, 
be one payment for all time, for always. How does that make sense? So the devil finds his way to creep in and to lie and to confuse us and to hurt us and to hinder us from going forward because how can that work? But God said that he sends his perfect son who never did anything wrong, the perfect spotless lamb of God, to have his blood shed for us. This is what he says. This is what his word says. That when you receive him, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. And we struggle with this idea. Why do we struggle with this idea? Because we let the lies come into our life. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. When we don't know the word of God and we don't stand on the word of God, then we become easy targets for the lies of Satan. That's it right there. I want you to see that when we don't know the word of God and we don't stand on the word of God, we become easy targets for the lies of Satan. See, a little lie will blossom into a thorn bush. And it won't let you out. Every single time you're trying to, trying to, trying to get out of the thorn bush, and can you put up that picture, please? But you're trying to get out of the, the situation, trying to get out of the sin, and there it is. It pokes you. It, it, it pokes you. Oh, no, you're no good. You're, you're not worthy. Why should you be forgiven? Look how many times you've done the wrong thing. Oh, yeah, you had those thoughts in your head. Don't try to pretend like you didn't think about those things. And, and you, you're, 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 you're just never going to get out of this. So what do you do? You continue on in it. You continue on in it. And you just build a little house there. And you, and you live there. Prisoner. Prisoner to this. And it pokes you, reminding you. You don't deserve to be forgiven. And it's this circle of imprisonment. And it's so easy to believe the lie. Listen, someone, tell you, someone tells you that you don't have good ideas. So then you go to work and you have this, what you feel like is a good idea, but then you don't share the good idea because you believe that you don't have good ideas. Someone tells you that you're worthless and then you make a mistake and you sin and then you want to bring it to Jesus, but you don't because you feel like you're worthless. You believe that you're not worth it, and it's just a lie. I want you to see what Jesus says about the devil. He says this in John 8, 44, C, and, and, and just for clarity, everybody wonder what C is. Sometimes you'll see me put A, B, C, sometimes even a D, but if you'll see me put this because sometimes a verse encompasses more than one sentence, and it might be attached to another verse, or it might, try to, uh, um, it, it might flow within one, and so the, 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 the authors of the Bible who are putting it together structure it that way, and so there might be a specific point that I'm trying to point out to you today, and you go back and check it out, but C in the verse, but John 8, 44, C means it's the third sentence within the verse. It says this, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. See, this is what Jesus says about the devil. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is who he is. He is the father of lies. And the prodigal son found himself in this same lie. He had lost everything. He did all kinds of wrong things. And he remembers his father. 
And he remembers his father's house, and he looks up. But the problem is in this moment, and this is a beautiful step, but he does not think of himself as a child. He doesn't think of himself as who God created him to be. He now thinks of himself as a hired servant. I'm no longer worthy to be called your, 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 your child, your son. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. And he has a, a confused view on who he is. In verse 18 it says this, And I will set out and go back to my father and said to him, Father, I've sinned against you and sinned against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. See, the blessing is you understanding that you are a child. You are a son or daughter of the Father. You're not a hired servant, and you are not worthless. You are forgiven, but you got to bring it to Jesus. you got to bring it to Jesus. The Bible reminds us in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful to do his part. We just have to do ours. We just have to do ours. In Psalms 32.5, I love this passage, and I want you to remember it because we're going to come back to it at the end of the, uh, end of the sermon today. But we see the psalmist, and the psalmist is expressing themselves. This is this. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Gone. Just like that. Gone. It no longer exists except in the lies of the devil. Because he wants to remind you that you are your past. And God says, that's not who you are anymore. I am forgiven when I recognize my need, and I personally believe in what Jesus did. You see, forgiveness is real, and forgiveness is yours today if that's what you desire. See, the other part that comes with faith in Jesus is this, is that I have a home in heaven because God promised it. I have a home in heaven because God promised it. Do you know why they call it being saved? Do you know why they call it being saved? You see, I'm not saved from my sin. I'm forgiven for my sin. I'm saved from the result of what my sin is leading me to, right? My sin earns me something. My sin earns me hell. I'm saved from hell, but I'm forgiven for my sin. See, hell is a real place. Heaven is a real place. In one of the most famous Bible verses in John chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right, Jesus, that whoever believes in him, places their faith in him, should not perish, right, will not go to hell, but have eternal life. Eternal life meaning heaven. God promises heaven, and he says, this is yours. This is yours. You're forgiven for your sins when you place your faith in Jesus. You are saved from hell and you receive heaven. And the world wants to confuse you and bring all kinds of other ideas. Live today because tomorrow's not promised. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is promised in the name of Jesus. It's promised either for hell or it's promised for heaven. It's promised. 
You know, you do whatever makes you happy, usually contrary to the moral law of God. Just, just go ahead and, and do it. Or they'll say, there's no God and there's no heaven. There's no God. In the, why do you believe that? There's no God and there's no heaven. They'd say, you can only believe what you can see. Yet you believe in the wind and you can't see it. It still exists. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, it says this, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he doesn't change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? God is of his word. If he says it'll happen, it will happen. It will come to pass. Believe. You see, God has something prepared for those who believe. But why is it so hard to imagine? Maybe because the thought of death is scary. People are scared of death. But there's no need to be scared of death if you walk with the Lord. If you truly believe, one day you will take your last breath and one day you will be with the Father. One day you will enter into heaven with God. You see, on occasion, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says this in John 14, verses 1 through 4. He says this. He says, he's talking to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. See, the disciples were troubled with the idea of separation between them and Jesus. And he encourages them, let me go and prepare a place for you. Home in heaven with Jesus forever. And we are forgiven for our sins. We are saved from hell. We are promised home in heaven. I want you to say it with me. I have a home in heaven. That's right. Believe that to the core of who you are. See, the prodigal son, he did not realize this until his dad welcomed him. He, 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 he did everything, and then he remembered his father. He went through everything, and he was out there in the world, and he was doing the things that he was doing, and then he remembers to look up. He hits rock bottom, and then he remembers. Hey, I remember what that was like. A peace that surpasses all understanding. A love that never stops. A place where, where my guilt is removed. And even as a believer, I make mistakes. As a Christian, I do the wrong things sometimes. But then I bring it before the Lord. And I say, God, I did it. And I did it again. Would you forgive me? And he just goes, and it's gone, and it no longer exists, except in the lies of the devil. Don't let those lies in your head. Don't let them come there. See, when you come to truly believe, the angels in heaven rejoice. And so does this church body with you. You go from being lost to being found. This morning, I want to close with this. You see, the Bible talks about this moment of Jesus on the cross, and he's, he's on the cross, and before he, 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 he takes his last breath, he has two people on his left and his right, and they're on their own crosses on the side of him. 
one of the guys mocks Jesus. And, you know, get down. If you're really the king, save yourself. You know, he just, he really mocks him. And it's really tough to imagine, but that's the truth. Sometimes of the, just the, the sin, the way people approach, the way people say things about God. But the guy on the other side, he says this in Luke 23, 41 through 43. And then you see Jesus' response. He says this, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you go, when you come into your kingdom. See, he recognized his sin and he also recognized who Jesus is. And even on his last breath, he chose to believe Jesus. And Jesus responds and tells him this, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise, in heaven. You see, early on in my faith, I, I struggled and I sinned and I made mistakes. And there was just a season of my life where I felt like I was just coming to God over and over. And I got trapped into thinking, God, I'm asking you too often to forgive my sins. God, I just, God, I keep asking you, God, I must be the worst child of yours in the whole household. Literally, these were my thoughts. God, because I keep having to ask you to forgive me. God, I did it. And I, and I asked you to forgive me. And then I did it again. And then I did it again. And then I did it again. And then I did it. God, you, I got to be the lowest guy on the totem pole, God. Because I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, and I began to feel this way. And that's where I caught the lie of the devil. Because he wanted me to stop asking for forgiveness. He wanted me to, to stop bringing it to the Lord. Because if I stop bringing it to the Lord, what happens is my guilt and the sin stacks up, creates separation between me and the Father. And suddenly, it's like those thorn bushes are on me and I have no way back out because I stopped bringing it to the Father. And God's like, son, do you see the lie? Bring it to me every time it happens. If you do it, then bring it back to me. Ask me to forgive you. Ask me. Bring it. Bring it. Confess it. Repent it. Lay it out before me. Listen, you watch what happens from there to there. You'll get stronger. Your faith will mature. Some things will happen on the inside. Suddenly, that sin will lose its power in your life. And as I matured in my faith, I began to recognize the lie in that particular area and in all areas of my life because I've seen how he wants to trap me. I've seen how he wants to hinder me from what God wants to do in my life. He wants me to, to not run to the feet of Jesus. And God's like, would you please hurry up and get here? I'm trying to do a miracle in your life. I'm trying to set you free. You will be stronger this time. I know God, but I brought it to you so many. You'll be stronger this time. Once I caught the lie, the devil no longer had the power over me. The lie any excuse not to bring it to God. There's the lie. Any excuse that I tell you this morning, church, you got this. You got this. Just believe. So here's my challenge for us this morning. We're going to pray and we're going to get into communion. 
verbally denounce the lies of the enemy about you being forgiven and life after death. And there's been all kinds of lies and thoughts. Denounce them. And if it helps you, write it down. Write it down. Verbally or, or physically, write it out on a piece of paper or type it however you do it, and that'll help you in this process. Second thing is this. I want you to memorize Psalms 32.5. Memorize the passage. Memorize it. And if you want to, hey, I'll give you a gift card for that too. But, but memorize Psalms 32.5. And you watch as the psalmist himself was walking through this process and saying, God, I, I confess my rebellion to you. And then I watched what you did in my life. Let me take a moment to pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love, for your word, the way it sets us free, the way it clears our mind, the way it throws out the lies of the enemy. Confusion, I come against it this morning in the name of Jesus. I rebuke it, Lord. Let me th may there be clarity. May there be peace of heart and mind. May we know without a shadow of a doubt what we want this morning. We want you. We want to mature in our faith. We want to believe you for greater things. God, this morning is just the beginning of that. We recognize, Father, what you've done in sending your son, Jesus. We are forgiven. All we have to do is bring it to you. There is life after death. We don't need to be scared. We don't need to be worried. We don't need to be concerned that if our hope is in you, you got us. This morning, Father, bless your church. The attacks the lies of the enemy and how he tries to get us, we come against him in the name of Jesus. We rebuke Satan and his demons. We bind Satan and his demons. We cast Satan and his demons into the pits of hell in the name of Jesus. May they have no room, no power over our life, our ministry, our work, our homes, our families in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. There's power in your name. There's power in your word. And there's power through your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. There's nobody.